Hey, welcome Kingdom Real Estate Investors to our Wednesday edition of the podcast show. This is an excerpt from our live real estate show we do every single week with business owners, real estate investors from all over the country. If you're enjoying this and you want to join us every week or see who our next guest is that we're going to be hosting this week, go to thekingdomrei.com forward slash live. That's thekingdomrei.com forward slash live to join us and register and again to see what special guests we'll be bringing on this week. Enjoy the episode. But George, uh, I'm, I'm so impressed, man, by what you've been able to accomplish in a very short amount of time. We've spent some time together. Um, I think you're doing it the right way. You know, you have a construction background. And now you are kind of, you know, really kind of leading the charge in multifamily syndication over 2,000 units. Tell us a little bit about what Elevate, kind of the focus of Elevate right now. Um, and and we're talking about joint ventures today. And so I know you've had a lot of success through joint ventures. And so I kind of want to break that down for our audience. But talk a little bit about yourself and Elevate. Yeah, so I mean, look, we're in, we're in growth mode. Um, I'm really looking to to build something massive. And um, one way I've found to to quickly scale and do that is through partnerships and joint ventures. Um, internally, we're always looking for deals and we're filling our pipeline. But at the same time, I also have joint ventures going on where I have other individuals bringing me deals. And um, so I've got those two sorts of pipelines, which is what's leading to you know, we'll, at the end of this month, we'll be a little bit over 3,000 units. Wow. Okay. I got to stop saying 2,000, man. I'm sitting here saying 2,000 and, 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 and George is at 3,000. <laughs> we're also selling on work. We're also working on selling over 1,400 units. So time to get really aggressive because I'm going to get that count back up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so um, all multifamily, right? That, like, what are the type of deals you're looking for? Yeah, that's all multifamily. It's all um, B and C class, um, true workforce housing for the most part. Um, you know, some of our B classes may be a little bit higher than, than your traditional workforce housing, but um, true value add. You know, like you mentioned, the construction company. You know, we really like to leverage that and come in and um, just kill it on the capex um, portion of it. You know, we've got one that we we just closed at the end of February. So that's been three months or so. Um, we're already hitting past projections. We're almost complete with our million dollar CapEx. Like a lot of that is only done because we have a construction company and we do the, we put the work in on the front end and just once we close on it, we're taking off. Um, 100 plus units is where I like to stay. Um, even over 150 is ideal. So tell me this, how does it work for you since you have the GC side of things, right? The contracting side of things, and then you have your own operation where you're finding your own deals. Like talk to us about how this joint venture thing works. Like if someone was to bring you a deal, right? And maybe they're the lead sponsor on it. How does that joint venture work? You know, it, it depends on on what they need. So when somebody brings me a deal, I always, you know, start asking some hard questions, but there, 
it helps build the partnership is, you know, what are you good at? What are you going to bring to the table? What are you missing? So, you know, if you've got a good deal, good. You know, you got that, you brought that to the table, you got a deal. Um, are you going to be able to bring any of the equity? Yes or no. Do you have any experience in asset management? Do you have any experience in, in construction and CapEx? Um, and kind of just build from there and then see where I can fill those gaps. Um, so give us, give us a, give us a real life example. Like talk to us about one of these recent projects, what that joint venture partnership looked like, how you guys broke it down. And even before you got on here, we talked about kind of equity carve outs and what different things look like in terms of how much each role was worth. Would you give us an example of kind of how one of these recent deals have maybe played out and what, what that was, how you guys decided to carve that out? Yeah, I can, um, you know, I mean, I get to every little detail, but in general, so I'll kind of stick with that same example um, deal that, that we closed back in February. Um, a group brought it to me. They, they, needed, they needed help with the equity. They needed help signing on a loan, a loan sponsor. Um, they needed help with asset management. So they pretty much had the deal. And that was about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they had a good deal. And then they yeah. say, hey, guys, this is so brilliant. That's what I tell you. Deal finding, sourcing good opportunities, and, and then raising money. It's the fastest way to get in the deal. So a, a team or group found a good deal, knew George, and then came to you. Okay, what happened next? So at that point, um, you know, we start carving it up, carving up the GP and seeing, um, you know, what's fair. Uh, it's all somewhat negotiable depending, but I mean, for the most part, you know, signing a loan somewhere between five and 10%. And then um, uh, as far as asset management, I think that's one of the larger chunks and there's a lot within that, but maybe like a 30% carve out 30% uh, carve out for the equity. So you're about what 70 there. Um, you know, I personally like to put something towards the CapEx as well. I think um, some individuals might say that's part of the asset management. I don't know. I know some some that have experience with asset management, but don't have experience. Right. Yes, a big piece, 100%. Yeah. Um, trying to think of what else we break. Earnest money gets broken up. Yeah, okay. So the earnest money, do you keep that? Is the earnest money staying in the deal? It depends. It, you know, negotiable as well. If it's staying in the deal, then obviously you'll also get the the LP part. for LP that. share, LP, right? Yeah. Yeah, no shares. Um, and you may get a little more of the GP if, if you're keeping it in the deal as well, taking that into account. Um, you know, as far as the earnest money that Breaking that up just depends. I've seen anywhere from, you know, a couple points to maybe 5% or so, depending what they're doing. Um, so kind of break that up right in the front, right? Make sure everybody understands what they're getting, what their role is. Um, if everybody's on the same page, then we get at it. I love that. And because once it's once it's clear, so let, let's talk about this. So that's that's I mean, that's exactly kind of what we shared before too, guys, that structure is exactly what um, George was just explaining there. By the way, if you don't know some of these terms, Google them, earnest money is again, the money that you need to put up, 
you know, kind of in escrow in order to close the deal. What he was saying is that asked, does that money stay in? If it does, that actually can translate to an LP or limited partner share in the deal. So you get your money's invested into the deal as a limited partner, and you're getting a couple points for, from it from a, on the GP or the GP equity side for putting that earnest money down. One thing on that, since we're on that topic, I would also make sure to discuss what happens if that deal doesn't close. Who's who's responsible for that earnest money? You know, are you going to split it between all the uh, partners, or is that individual that's putting it up knows he's taking all the risk and he's putting it up? In that case, he probably deserves maybe a larger GP for for doing that. Um, so make sure you talk about that so you don't get to the point where you don't close a deal and everybody's kind of looking at each other like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, what happens with that money? That's that. So what you're saying is if if you get to a point in the due diligence period where that money goes hard. Um, or you can no longer get that money back. What 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 happens if you don't close the deal? Yeah, yeah, it's not fun to talk about, but it's you know get it out. And the other thing, George, have you ever got to a situation where you had to put up more money in earnest money, and then and then you and then you had to pull equity from another place in order to get more equity for for putting up more earnest money? So adjusting the percentages you're saying from the right, GP. right. Yeah, I mean, there's been times where, where that's um, had to happen um, for different different reasons. Earnest money could could be one. Um, maybe bringing in somebody strong stronger on the loan side for some reason. Um, but yeah, it, it has happened. So let me ask you this because I mean, you you have a lot of the operational experience is why I look forward to partnering with you and stuff. But let me ask you this in terms of when you get into the deal from so so I love the breakdown. I hope that's helpful seeing how you can kind of carve this out guys, find good deals, find investors, there's so many ways to grow and scale this but in the deal kind of as you're operating, you're doing this, how do you work through especially let's say you didn't you weren't the one who originally found the deal, right? Or maybe it's not a home market for you. Like in terms of decision making and operations post close, how have you like what have been things that really have worked well and maybe things that like you would advise? Hey, let's I'm I'm gonna do like what's happened, man. I'm gonna do it differently next time. What would you say? Like what what advice would you give to kind of post close in a joint venture partnership? How to make sure that stays healthy and the deal ultimately stays healthy for investors. This doesn't happen very often, but my daughter is standing right here, distracting me so much. Bring her on. Huh? Bring her on. This is a live webinar. This is why we do this. Look at this. <laughs> Beautiful. What's your name, sweetie? Ava. Ava? Mm -hmm. Are you going to be a real estate investor one day? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Okay. All right. Cool. Okay. Sorry about that, man. No, that's <laughs> awesome. That's great. That's that's definitely going on YouTube for sure. So, uh, <laughs> so all right. So post close, post close operations, being in joint venture partnerships, keeping the deal healthy, keeping the the even the partnership healthy. It, since you've done this a lot, advice you give for our listeners. It goes back to knowing your responsibilities. You know who's going to be in charge of what, who's going to be actually participating in the asset management and the ongoing. You know, there's um. We could have a joint venture between, let's say, five different partners, but only two are really going to be doing the asset management and, and running the day to day. Um, if that's the case, we usually set up a, a separate meeting um, for all the partners 
And then those two asset management partners catch up the other partners and let them know what's going on with um, the actual weekly asset management um, meetings. And uh, that works really well. That's great. So again, you have kind of, and this is why I think it's so important, like the, 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 for example, the asset management, that's falling on the shoulders of one, maybe two max of like, hey, they're the decision makers, they're the drivers in this deal when it comes to that. And I imagine the same thing is true on the investor relations side as well. Correct. And this is, you know, from experience and from learning. So I've also seen it where it doesn't, it kind of backfires. Well, this doesn't backfire, but the reason for doing it that way um, is because let's say you have them all on there on the weekly asset management calls and everybody's trying to manage the property, right? You've got too many voices coming out. Cooks in the kitchen, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> Cooks in the kitchen. You've got this property management company that's like, who am I supposed to listen to? What is happening? Um, so I've, I've, I've been through that and that's where we've made our adjustments where, you know, we're going to put the people in the seat that have the most experience and, and that's their strength and they're going to run with it. Um, and the others are going to, you know, there's, there's maybe somebody that's going to be in charge of investor relations and they, they put together the summaries and, and uh, make sure that we sent the updates out on, a, uh, on time and, and, and whatnot. That's excellent. Hey, just because the show's over doesn't mean the journey is. Listen, if you're a faith-driven real estate professional or investor, then you'll want to go to thekingdomrei.com to learn about our mastermind. If you're interested in investing alongside me in alternative investments like multifamily apartment complexes, then head to ellishammond.com to learn more about that. Cheers.